Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, and good afternoon. I'm so glad you guys are joining me again. And this is our um, series, Adoptees Unplugged, and I'm so glad we've started this because, you know, I just wanted to let everybody know, you know, it's not just Indiana adoptees. We've got, you know, adoptees from everywhere, and, you know, we have moms too. So, again, it's not just adoptees. And, you know, I've gotten to bring in some some pretty amazing um, peeps in this. And it really, it means a lot to me. And this month especially, you guys, um, November is, is special to me. And, um, you know, everybody always says it's National Adoption Awareness Month. And I don't even know what that really even means. I don't even know what that title is even about. I don't know who made that up. But to me, I want to give... Um, you know, my peeps a voice. And to me, that means to let them tell their stories and their feelings. And you know what? We've got a lot of it because we were not given a voice. And, um, you know, I think in the times of our adoptions, you know, from the times they started, which goes back, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know when the time of adoption started, I guess, hundreds of years ago. Um, to now, uh, the adoptee still is without a voice primarily. The adoptive parent makes that choice. And I believe it really was done in, in a good way. But the adoptee is still silenced in this, you know, you know in this small way and in a big way. Um, but I want to give um, all my peeps this ability to tell their story um, and a lot of my peeps are doing some amazing things from books to films, whether it's just even writing on their Facebook page to tell, you know, people um, that are on their Facebook page how they feel about it. You know, that's that's a big deal to them. So even if they don't write a book, they're just writing a Facebook post, they are taking a step out there to have a voice. And that's a big deal, you guys. And um, I'm proud of you if that's what you've done. And today my guest has done a lot. So um, I wanted to introduce um, Reshma McClintock, and she is a writer, an adoptee advocate. She was adopted internationally as an infant, grew up in the U.S. Uh, She recently returned to her birthplace um, as the subject of the film. Sorry, my voice is going out. Calcutta, my is my mother, which is expected to premiere in 2018. Reshma is the founder of DearAdoption.com, a website featuring adoptee voices from around the globe. She lives in Seattle, Washington, with her husband and daughter. So welcome. I'm so glad you could come on today. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm glad you could come on. I've been wanting to get you on forever, and so... Um, I don't, you've done so much lately, and I've seen everybody's stories. I don't even know, do you want to start with Dear Adoption, or do you want to start with the film? It's kind of, it's kind of your choice. Where do you want to go first? (laughs) Um, you know, we can start with the film, because that was kind of laid some of the groundwork, um, for my adoptee advocacy, and kind of, it's kind of where everything stemmed, uh, from that one that one piece from the film. Right. Um, I so think I, I think that that's kind of where I, you know, I know you've been working on that for a while. So tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so a little 
brief history on me um, that you shared a little bit of is that I was adopted from Calcutta. Yep. 1980. And I came to the United States at three months old. And I have, um, you know, my stories are really can, can easily be kind of pigeonholed into a simply uh, positive adoption story. And right. you know, I would agree with that to a certain extent. I had a really wonderful family life. I have wonderful parents uh, who raised me. Um, my older brother is their biological son. And then they adopted me. And several years later adopted uh, my younger brother, um, although he was adopted domestically. So I had a really wonderful experience growing up. Um, Now, when I look back at my childhood, I see a lot of suppressed grief and I see the subtle ways that my grief um, from being adopted manifested. It wasn't obvious to me. And as a child, I didn't have the language. I wasn't able to articulate um, why certain things affected me. Um, in a certain way, you know, I was terrified to be away from home. My favorite place to be was home with my family. Um, within that safety, I felt comfortable and I loved them. I felt deeply connected. And so, but I, you know, as a child, didn't recognize that as an adoption related issue um, or as a result right. of being adopted. So um, when I got married is really the first time that I started thinking about my adoption um, relating to the things that I lost. Uh, Most of my life, all of the focus and emphasis has been on everything I gained. And I gained a lot. But I did lose a lot in adoption. I lost a culture, um, a biological family, and I lost a lot that I don't even know and never know. So um, a couple of years ago, I was approached by um, a friend who I hadn't been in touch with in like 15 years. Um, And he approached me and said, you know, what would you think about uh, filming your first return to Calcutta and turning it into a documentary. And I, you know, off the cuff, I was like, yeah, that's great. That sounds exciting. I had just started writing about my adoption experience um, as an adult and I started a blog. And so I was sharing a little bit of that grief in really small candy coated doses. Um, right. I was still a little bit afraid of my own voice and I wasn't, you know, it was all kind of slowly coming to the surface. So I wasn't exactly sure what was coming out. I was really concerned with making sure my family, my adoptive family, you know, knew how much I loved them and that this had nothing to do with that they didn't do a great job or that I didn't, you know, want to be a part of their family. So, you know, I was doing that that adoptee dance where we kind of manage our guilt and um, worry about pleasing everyone else. And, you know, there weren't any expectations placed on me by my family or any restraints placed on me, but it was still new for me. And so I really right. struggled with finding that balance. And I still haven't, and I'm not sure I will. I'm not sure there is a balance there for adoptees. Yeah. Um, So anyway, we filmed a trailer basically um, and and launched a Kickstarter campaign. We raised the money on Kickstarter to go to Calcutta and uh, film. We named the film Calcutta is my mother because essentially when this all started, I was looking for cultural connection. Um, the story I grew up with was that I was um, thrown out literally in Calcutta, that I was found abandoned on a street corner in garbage, in sewage, um, and that nobody wanted me, nobody could take care of me. And um, so in that scenario, um, for me, my Indian mother is not living, right? That's not really possible. Not only to me, I think maybe I compartmentalize that into her being 
dead because that was the easiest way to manage it. But also, you know, she's one in millions of people in India. So there's no way I would ever find her. So she just didn't really exist to me. So we called the film Calcutta is my mother because that was as close as I could get to my Indian mother, to my biological family was going back to Calcutta, the city where I was born, the city where I was born, my connecting with my heritage and my culture, understanding it better and kind of experiencing that life. So we actually went back to Calcutta and I was there on the 35th anniversary of the day that I left Calcutta to come to the United States. And it was a really different experience than what I had anticipated. Um, My director and my friend is Michael Herzl. And um, he, you know, you know this, Pam, anyone who isn't adopted has a really difficult time understanding what it's like to be adopted because you can't know what you know, right? No. For people who know their biological family, they can say, oh, that must be really hard, but they can't really know. Um, and what I want no. to say, you know, Michael, Michael as a non-adoptee um, was so, or has been and still is, um, incredibly sensitive. And I would say um, he, he gets it as well as a non-adopted person could get it. And I'm just really right. thankful for him because he allowed me to share my story um, and to go, you know, deep to levels that I hadn't really explored in years um, or ever, not years, ever. I had never really allowed my grief to have a voice or put it to words. And he really gave me the space to do that. So I'm really um, thankful for him. But Anyway, the film's going to come out next year, so there's, I won't go too much into how it all played out, other than right. to say that when we launched the Kickstarter campaign and I started finding these face group, Facebook groups with, um, for adoptees and about adoption, I had no idea this world existed. I had no idea right. there were other adoptees out there talking about it. And right. I really was, I don't know, what, what's the word, dumbfounded? I was shocked yeah. that people were talking yeah. about it and what they were saying. So You kind of I, feel like you're I'm alone. Kind of, I mean, you don't realize that other right. people are actually sharing their their grief, their sadness, their happiness, whatever, you know. Exactly. That's such a yeah. good way to put it. I did think I was alone. And some of that is why I was so fearful in sharing because right. you think, okay, I'm going to say all this and everybody's going to be like, what is she talking about? <laughs> like none right. of us feel that way. Um, So, yeah, you're exactly right. I felt very alone in that. And then to find this community, you know, we don't we don't all agree in adoption land, um, even adoptees. And I know you're well aware of that. It can be a very tense place. Um, You know, you've got the people who are labeled angry or bitter or happy Mm. or in the fog, out of the fog, partially on fog, all the different (laughs) categories that, you know, we're put in and that we put ourselves and other people in. And so it can be a tense place. It can be a frustrating place, but ultimately for me, um, adoption land needs to be, and, and, and it is for me, a space where we can all share what our experiences is, what our experiences are. I'm not going right. to judge you if you are unfogged. I'm just not, because that's a safe place for you to be. I'm not going right. to judge you if you are so far out of the fog and you are pissed off and you are angry. I'm not going to judge you because your lived experience gives you the right to feel however you want to feel about adoption. And so for me, I embrace adoption land in that way. And so as I kind of came into the world of meeting other adoptees, it was so, um, I don't know, safe. It it felt so safe for me, even though I could sense some of the tension. 
Um, and mm -hmm. then basically after coming back from filming Calcutta as my mother, I, um, over, well, over the, that whole period of raising the money, going to Calcutta and filming and coming back, was inundated with emails from adoptees. And I had noticed this trend that people had received, or many people, not everyone, but had received my story so well and were so supportive. Um, and then I was getting these emails from adoptees saying, no one will listen to me. I cannot speak. I can't share my story. No matter mm -hmm. what I do, people are, I'm afraid, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm isolated. And I just kept thinking, this is, this is terrible. I've had this great reception. And I think in some of that was a little bit of guilt. And it wasn't all good. I mean, I had definitely got some nasty feedback um, from people who didn't understand. And that's okay. Right. That's okay with me. They don't, they don't have to understand. This isn't their story. This is my story. This isn't their journey. This is my journey. And so if you're mad about it, I would encourage you to ask yourself why you're mad about my journey. Yeah, but, um, right. But I'm not, I haven't really let that affect me too greatly. Um, anyway, Dear Adoption came to me at like 1 a.m. on a Tuesday or something, um, middle of the night, and I just all of a sudden had this idea, this concept of us as adoptees writing letters to adoption. Um, I think that it creates a an inviting um, environment for adoptees. Um, a lot of the time, if you go to DearAdoption.com and you read the letters, most of the time you can figure out who is being addressed. So it says, you know, every piece starts with Dear Adoption and then everyone has a title that they want to say. So even though we're addressing adoption, a lot of times you can sense that someone's addressing their parents or their birth mother or their birth father, that they're addressing mm -hmm the government, that they're addressing the culture. Um, you can sense who it is they're actually addressing, but because we're addressing adoption, because it's dear adoption, it's less intimidating, I think. Um, right. And it doesn't feel as personal, even though it is so deeply personal. Right. And so I basically just wanted to create a platform for adoptees to be able to share their story. Um, I am no, in no way a trendsetter. I did not invent the concept of adoptees sharing their stories. I talk a lot about, um, I call them way pavers, people like you, um, who've been out there in the trenches for years um, fighting for um, adoptee legislation. I know that's like your heart, um, and uh -huh. I'm so thankful for you and all the work you do. But, um, okay. you know, I know there are <laughs> adoptees who've been, you know, writing these blogs and writing books and sharing their stories, and all of those adoptees, laid the foundation for what Dear Adoption is. And so Dear Adoption rests on this solid foundation that was built by adoptees for years and years and years. And sometimes I think, you know, Dear Adoption gets a lot of credit saying, oh, there's finally something. And the reality is that's not true. There have been a lot of things. I think that the format of Dear Adoption has maybe opened up another way for us to speak and share as adoptees. But in no way um, am I the first one to do this. So um, it's, just another, it's just another format. And, and I'm really thankful for all the other people who have been creating space for adoptees. And this is just my way. This is my contribution. And the way that I want to love my community um, is by having, you know, this website in this format. And it's not right for everyone, but for those that it is, I am thrilled to share their stories. And, um, you know, we don't turn anyone away at Dear Adoption as right. long as you're adopted. And there are guidelines, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're basic. 
Um, so as long as you adhere to the guidelines, we accept all stories because we want every adoptee to have a voice. And, you know, Dear Adoption as a platform has no opinion on adoption. Um, I know that bothers some people, and I understand that too. But the reality is because adoptees have such different opinions and experiences on whether adoption is good or bad or both or needs to stop or needs to continue or whatever it is, um, because there are so many adoptees, um, it's important that we recognize that Dear Adoption does not have an opinion on adoption. Dear Adoption is just a platform for other adoptees to share right. their personal lived experiences. Well, I think it, that's that's probably a good way to look at it because once you start entering opinions, then where do you stop? I mean, right. you know, where do you draw the line then? You know, I mean, you know, there's there's so many opinions in everything, you know? I mean, right. And we as adoptees have to be so so careful because um, you know, we've all gone on this journey, right? And you you sometimes you can predict where somebody's going to end up in a year. You know, not everybody, but but you can. You've been in this a long time, Pam, so you know. Right. Sometimes you can kind of see someone, you know, tiptoeing out of the fog, and then they kind of sneak back then. You know, and then they kind mm-hmm. of fix their toes out again and test the yeah. waters, and then they kind of go back. And then they yeah. take a big, giant step. And then they're totally unfogged. And then they're whatever, whatever's next for them, anger, joy, happiness, peace, whatever it is when they get to that spot. But you can kind of see the progression. But I don't get to decide – um, where someone should be in that progression or where, you know, what their story, how their story has impacted that progression, right? You know, there's a lot of adoptees who had really good experiences and it's hard for them to even acknowledge the grief. And some of them aren't allowed that space in their own families to acknowledge the grief. And we have to kind of protect ourselves, right? So we do that. And it's really important. That's why it's important to me to say, I'm not going to only share positive stories. I'm not going to only share stories where people aren't that mad. Or I'm not going to only share people, stories where people don't voice their really strong opinions. We just have to have a platform for everyone to share. Right, right. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, you know, it's, I guess, you know, I for me, I mean, when I look back 27 years ago, there there was none of this nastiness there the nastiness didn't exist and hmm. what i hate is that the nastiness exists today and you know without going into any details the nastiness is is horrible today even especially yeah. today and mm-hmm. i hate that i hate that more than anything and we're supposed to be lifting each other up I mean, so what we have different opinions, so what we think differently. You know, there's different ways and different avenues to to get things differently, you know. And right. it makes me sad that we are not behind each other 100%, you know. Um, I, I just, you know, I get it. I get that, you know. I mean, we all should be wanting each other to succeed regardless, you know. Right. Right, and, and I think that um, we step on our sad. own toes. Right, we step on our own toes, and we set ourselves uh-huh. back when uh-huh. we don't accept everyone's story. And here's yeah. the thing, just to clarify, we don't have to agree. We don't. We don't oh, have we don't. to agree. If no, you, we don't. You know, I've had this great experience with my family, and I know a lot 
of adoptees who have not had great experiences with their families. And they don't need to agree with me. I don't need them to, and that's okay. I want them to share because, and that's the thing I say all the time, I have learned so much from reading the stories at Dear Adoption. I have learned so much. And I kind of tease sometimes that I feel greedy because, you know, anytime there's a, there's a story there, I just, I want to read it. And I want to think, what can, you know, what can I learn from this? And I keep thinking, I need dear adoption. I need all these blogs and websites to be around forever because I have to keep learning. And, you know, that's one of the other things we say at dear adoption is that, uh, you know, dear adoption gives voice to those most affected by adoption. And I absolutely believe the adoptee voice ought to be the voice amplified in adoption. The voice that's elevated has got to be that of the adoptee because we have experienced adoption and we didn't choose adoption. So we're the only part of the triad that didn't make a choice. And I, I will say, I, I understand many uh, first parents were not really given a choice either. I, I, I definitely acknowledge that, but you know, we were infants and children and we didn't have choices. And so right. we get to share our stories and we get to speak and, you know, we get a lot of pushback at your adoption. Um, a lot of the comments can be, heavy and frustrating. And um, the reality is this, I, when I get pushback from people uh, regarding a story at Dear Adoption, someone sharing their, their heart, you know, bleeding out their story at Dear Adoption, um, and so that makes someone angry at that person, I think you have to stop and ask yourself why. This person is sharing their personal lived experience that you have no clue about. And if that makes you angry, then there's a problem there. And it's not the adoptee's problem. It's your problem. It's your problem. If you're frustrated that their experience caused them to be frustrated and angry with adoption, you don't get angry with them. It just, it doesn't, it's not even logical. It doesn't make sense. If you read a piece at your adoption and you think, whoa, that person is angry or whatever you think about them, you should immediately look at adoption and say, where are the answers for this? Why did we allow this to happen? How did this happen? So it doesn't matter whether or not you think adoption needs to end or not, but it, or if you think you need to improve it or whatever it is, we have to stop and look at adoption when we hear these stories. Don't look at the person and think, whoa, why are they so messed up? The answer is adoption. The answer is adoption. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and, you know, I, you know, it's, it's funny because, I have the documents that um, the Coleman Agency, where I was adopted from, um, put together. Would have been 1967. (laughs) Um, Okay. And it actually says, um, if my parents weren't satisfied, you know, with me, that I could be, I could be returned, but the monies wouldn't be returned. So. You know, I'm like a apparently like an animal or a piece of clothing. So you know, right. I could be returned. And I'm like, right. really? Who who develops a document like that? I mean, right. again, once again, though, you know, we were like a commodity, and then then also giving giving the the parents the the mindset that you could return the child. You know, right. You're not you're not giving them the mindset that you should be in this for the long haul, and right. giving them you know the wherewithal to you know think that this is important you know 
Um, right. Yeah, I, I just think everything was not turned around in the correct way. You know, they nothing was done right in the in the time frame of of the '60s and '70s, and right. you know, I just there was just so many things done wrong, and, well, and here's the, I just wish the, the, you know we'd ha- our parents had had some you know some training, and that that right there was was the biggest part of the problem. Right, and I think this is the thing. Um, I if if people think that or not if okay, there are people who think adoption just needs to end and go away, and there are people that think adoption needs to be you know made better. There are people that think adopt there need to be more adoptions, and that's the problem. You know, there's all these different views out there on adoption, and um, the reality is this: no matter what way you look at it. You have to acknowledge that our system is flawed. It has to be acknowledged because we've got children who are being rehomed. We've got these generations of adult adoptees who are crying out and saying, please listen to us. Please listen to us. For future generations of adoptees, we have to make these things right. And so I am not um, necessarily saying, you know, we can promote adoption. That's not my job. That's not my interest. What I'm saying is we have to listen to adoptees. And if what we don't if we don't like what we're hearing, that is just further confirmation that the system is flawed. That's further confirmation confirmation that we have got a problem here that we're not addressing. So if you listen to an adoptee pour out their heart on their blog, in a book, on a podcast, in a film, whatever it is at Dear Adoption, wherever it is that they're pouring their heart out and it makes you mad at them or frustrated, that's just not the right response. The right response is empathy and action. So we need to be empathetic to the lived experiences of people who have been adopted because you don't know if you haven't lived it. And then we need to be, you know, spring into action. What can we do to change this? What can we do to make this right? Because how could we read that? How could we hear that story and not think, I don't want that to happen to one more person? Right. That's exactly. 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 I know I talked to um an Indiana adoptee. It's actually it's his wife. We're trying to help, you know, him locate, you know, his birth parents and and she said who was trying to help her 10 years ago and I said, "And that's exactly why I started doing what I what I do is exactly because of the person who helped them 10 years ago is who right. did to me, you know, what was done to them 27 years ago. And right. I said, never again. And 27 years ago, I started doing what I do. I mean, it's hard to believe that it took me 27 years, you know, roundabout of searching. And of course I didn't do this by myself. I don't mean it that way, but you know, 27 years of, you know, all of this search and reunion and then, you know, joining other organizations and then, you know, other friends come in the fold and, you know, organizations joining together. I mean, I can't believe that 27 years have passed and we really aren't any farther ahead. I mean, we are, we are, but I can't believe we're not farther ahead than we are. Yeah, we are and we aren't. I agree with you. Yeah. We are and we are. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've made strides. 
we we have a stronger voice than we've ever had. Mm-hmm. But there are times where I feel like we jump backwards ten steps sometimes, and I think, oh no, let's not do that. Let's not do that to ourselves. Let's stay focused and keep moving forward. You know, and for right. the most part, most of us do. You know, there's a there's a yes. strong fold of us that stay focused on, you know, helping each other and, um, you know, stay focused on, you know, what are the issues. And there's that small percentage that, you know, want to, you know, ruffle the feathers and right. not do good, you know. But, right. Um, yeah. When so. I think about people outside of, the adoptee community, um, but who are still kind of part of the group, like, like my parents. And, you know, my dad said it really well recently when we were having a conversation and, um, you know, he would say he's, he's unfogged and he's shocked, you know, kind of by what he's learned uh, and what we've learned together over the last couple of years. You know, my adoption world was very small uh, before any of the film stuff came up. And then I was introduced to this whole world. I, I had no idea. And I didn't ever think of adoption as trauma and you know we we throw that around a lot and and um and it's true you know once you kind of learn that um it all sort of starts making sense but you know my dad said um it really well he said it's like we've all been brainwashed though to think this one thing that adoption is all good all the time that it's Mm -hmm. what god wants us to do and now we have to be kind of unbrainwashed and the reality is being, and I know that's not a word, but the reality is, being, being <laughs> we can make it one. Right, we'll coin that. Um, yeah. The reality is that being unbrainwashed is way more work than being brainwashed. It is right. very difficult to go back and say, yep. "Wait a minute." And I think you know a lot of the a lot of the tension in the adoptee or adoption community, rather, you know, surrounds adoptive parents and adult adoptees. There's this. There's a thick tension. It's very frustrating um, for everyone. Um, and it's a couple of reasons, in my, in my opinion. You know, adoptive parents have primarily uh, controlled the narrative surrounding adoption for the last several decades. Um, right. And the adoptees are saying, wait, wait, wait. One, we need to be able to share our own stories. Other people shouldn't be out, no matter who they are, whether they're our parents or, or right. the church or friends or society, whatever. We need to be able to share our own stories, and we need right. to be able to have space to say how we feel about our own stories, how we feel about being adopted, what it's done to us, how it's affected us, um, you know, in a multitude of ways. Well, at, you know, I think every aspect of our lives. But so there's this tension, and a lot of times um, when uh, adoptive parents read the pieces at Dear Adoption, they become frustrated, and this is the truth. For me, I can understand some of that. Um, but what I just want people to understand is this isn't a war. It, it shouldn't be. It, it doesn't make sense to me that um, anyone would be so upset or angry because people are sharing their personal stories. And there's this tension that we just seem to not be able to to work through between adoptive parents thinking that because we're voicing our uh, traumas from adoption, the ways that it's affected us, that that means um, we're, we're what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for, that we're waging a war against them as parents. Right. It's not an right. attack. It really isn't. Sure, 
are there people out there who are attacking other people? Uh-huh, of course. Always, there always will be. But for the most part, that's not what deer adoption is. And it's the thing I get most frustrated about that I think deer adoption can be mischaracterized as that. It is not a complaining site. It is not a whining site. It is not a place where people are attacking adoptive parents or attacking their adoptive families. That's not what it is. It isn't even a place where people are attacking adoption. It's a place where people are saying, look, I was adopted. I was removed from my biological family. My history was taken away from me. My medical history was robbed of me. I was take, those things were taken away. I lost all these things. Here's my story. This is how it affected me. Don't you think we can probably do better for children in the future? That's what dear adoption is. It's not anti-adoptive parent. It's not anti-anything. It's individual people sharing their stories and how they've been affected by adoption. And the truth is this. We will not be able to move forward as a society um, with any kind of uh, unity if we can't just stop and listen. We have to listen. And it may be painful, but we have to listen to adoptees. And so, you know, I just ask everybody else to sit down, to just please sit down and listen to adoptees, read their stories, hear their pain, hear their joys. There's some joy there, too. But we have to be able to stop and listen. I know, I know, and uh, you know, is that is that really asking too much? You know, and <sighs> hopefully my mom is not listening to this. But you know, when I tr- <laughs> again, I, I always feel like I'm talking about things, and never am I promoting anything. I don't care. I could care less if anyone buys the children's book that I wrote or anything like that. That is, has nothing to do with it. It's just a matter of telling a story. Um, you right. know, in writing the kids' book. Um, you know, I was talking to my mom and, and her husband and and he said, Well well don't don't normal kids don't they have those feelings too? Yes. Yes they do. But listen, we have all of that and twenty percent more or fifty percent more. I mean, we have this extra layer because there is an extra set of trauma. And it's just as if, you know, parents who have, you know, children that are born with autism or a child that has, you know, that is a diabetic or, you know, children that have cardiac problems, anyone who has a special needs children, you know, they're, they're, there's always something that sets someone aside from someone else. And, you know, I'm not comparing ourselves to us being autistic or anything like that, but we are, or we did suffer a trauma. So mm-hmm. we are different. I mean, and that does make us different. And no one is willing. Yeah, and, and then we're expected to be grateful for that trauma and grateful. Exactly. Yeah, that's, exactly. And, and no problem. one's willing right. to say or let us, you know, um, talk about that difference or say, you know, well, okay, I guess, I, I guess, you you know, and everyone will say, but listen, you were babies. How did you know? You, you couldn't have known you were a baby. And I'm like, right. oh, my gosh. So I say to them, okay, well, let me just go ahead and take your baby then. Can I just have your baby then? Well, no, I, I can't right. let you have my baby. Exactly my point. Right. Exactly. You're not right. going to just give up your baby to me. 
you know. Right. And I'm like, they, it, it sometimes I and I, I had to start learning how to kind of, you know, shut myself down in a way when I would go to explain it and kind of separate the issue and, you know, do a breathing exercise, you know, and, you know, and just really understand that they really were separated from it and then kind of right. how you know, how did I feel if someone were going to explain to me something that, that I were separated from, you know, that, that I didn't quite understand. And so, you know, I was, you know, trying to figure out how do I explain it to them. And it it was difficult, but, you know, I just would take deep breaths and try to explain it. And a lot of times I just started to avoid the issue. But sometimes they right. would just push and want to know. And I would think, but you're not listening. They don't want to know right. a lot of times. They don't really want to right. know. And right. I think and, you know, I've I got it. a voice. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. And but, I think, you know, I get it. I get that people don't want to know. And, you know, right. a lot of the time I, I don't even necessarily have a problem with that so much. I get, I, I mean, I don't think it's a great way to live, but I understand burying right. your head in the sand. However, right. If you look at it this way, the reality is that lives are at stake. That's not me being dramatic. That's true. Their lives of children are at stake. And um, there's, you know, and I'm not just, I mean, adoptee suicide is, is, one, is one part of that, and I'm not just referring to that. You know, adoptee uh, suicide is a really big issue. But I'm also just talking Sorry, um, but I'm also just talking about um, the the need for us to provide safe space for adoptees to articulate right. their feelings. And then there's, there's generations of adopted children growing up right now, and it's got to be different for them than it was for a lot of us. You know, my, right. my parents didn't know. They weren't taught about trauma. My parents did a great right. job, but they didn't know that – there was grief and trauma. You know, my dad told me that recently. He said, we had no, we didn't ever think that that was a possibility. And, you know, nobody ever used those words with us. And the reality is we know now, so we have to do better now. We have to. Right. There's children out there and their lives are at stake. It is just too important for us to bury our heads in the sand. And further than that, again, if you're going to bury your head in the sand, that's fine. But do it quietly. Don't push back on what we're trying to do. We're trying to make things better and safer for adoptees. We're trying to educate people um, so that they can understand what it's like to lose all of that, to not know all of that, to have all this blank space and how that affects every aspect of your life, how that affects every relationship, every job, all these different parts, you know, parenthood, all these ways that it affects us as adopted people. And so just don't push back. Just listen. That's all I'm asking is just listen. If you can listen, that's fine. If it, if it doesn't cause you to spring into action, that's okay. It's not everybody's mission. But if you could just listen, don't try, to, don't try to impede what we're doing. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I just wonder, you know, is there going to be a day for us, you know, um, that, that it will be easier? You know, I mean, yeah. Is, I mean, is that day going to come? You know, I just I just hope that, you know, one day we're going to turn around and these days that we struggled so hard for and and the legislative efforts that, you know, that 
I feel like one day I lost my mind on, <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. the drives, mm-hmm. the drives to Indy that, you know, I drove in seven feet of snow and, you know, testified and, you know, felt like I was going to have a heart attack testifying in front of the Senate 65 times, you know, <laughs> and, right. you know, I mean, one day that will be just literally a distant memory, you know, and, yeah. and I'll just go, you know, that, that, that was worth it. And, and it, it will be gone. It will just be, you know, it will be so worth it. And we'll just laugh at it one day and go, Oh my gosh, you know, all states have got all the laws passed and, you know, we'll be, you know, it'll it'll just be a memory, but I I really doubt that's gonna happen. But I hope one day well, that and, that's you know, you're talking is. you're talking to an eternal optimist here. So my yeah, right. my I, I understand and I you know, I just can't imagine, you know, again I, I said it before, you've been at this for a long time. You know, I'm new to this. You know, I'm just a, a couple of years in really and, you know, dear adoption just is just one year old. And so, you know, I which is why, you know, I look to you and I look to the other people in the adoption world who've been, you know, trudging along and doing this for so many years. And, you know, I think we see tiny shifts and rays of hope with people listening and, and that's, what's encouraging. And I think, you know, like my dad said, we've got to unbrainwash the world and their perception of adoption. And I really believe that starts and ends with adoptees sharing their stories with adoptees being, not just sharing my stories, but with adoptee stories being heard um, and actually, you know, people receiving that information and not putting their own opinions on that um, and just kind of dismissing what they knew before. And I wish that, you know, I wish we could just say, unknow what you know, unknow what you know, and start at square one and start reading the posts of Dear Adoption and let that shape your view of adoption. Now, of course, it's just a sampling of, the adoption community. So not every voice has been represented there, not every angle, not every story, of course, but it's a lot. And that's really where we should learn. That's where we should be getting our information. Um, you know, also I wanted to mention um, a, a couple friends of mine um, are doing these adoption surveys. Uh, there's a group on Facebook and people can right. join that. Um, and it is right. just brilliant. Um, my dear friend who came up with the idea um, she had been kind of telling me since I met her that there were no, um, there was no data. There just wasn't enough data out there. Um, yeah. On adoption, especially uh, from the adoption say, yeah, perspective. I was, yeah. I, I, well, and it's, I'm glad you brought that up because we had started, we did SurveyMonkey um, a year ago, and we okay. just, nothing, nothing like what you're getting ready to mention. We just did some basic um, surveys, and I, and we had said, mm-hmm. you know what? Someone, someone needs to do some surveys and right. um, find out some some deep information. And so we were going to do some some conference information. You know, like you know how many of you have attended conferences. You know, right. um, you know what do you what do you feel like you need at a conference? Um, how many of you have read books? Have you many of you watched films? You know, just kind of seeing what mm-hmm. people needed. And I said, you know, these are kind of fluff questions, you know, um, you know, nothing, nothing too deep. I said, but we need to go deeper. And, yeah, and that's um, what they're doing. 
Right, exactly. And I said, you know, we really need some some good ones. And that was our plan was to go deeper. But it was really hard to get people to answer the survey questions. And it felt like we were kind of pulling teeth there for a while. And so, not, and this sounds like I'm being a martyr or something, but it was, you can't do it all. You know what I mean? You can't do a podcast no, and a conference. But you know what I yeah. mean? And so I'm so yeah. glad that the survey came up because it's wonderful because we need to know, we need to know some of these answers. We need to know how mm-hmm. people feel. We need to know mm-hmm. what's on with, you know, people's feelings. And I'm so glad that's out there. So, yeah, they're, um, they're really, the data that they're gathering is, um, I, I mean, I think it's world changing. I keep saying that, you know, there's all these people doing important work. And I think, you know, this is up there. This is, this is some of the most uh, important work. And they're yeah. publishing all of the results. And uh, the free form answers are just, um, I mean, they will just blow you away. It's just incredible yeah. what people have to say. And when people are given the space to share, um, right. they'll share. And so we have to you know, shift society and, and make it a place, an environment that fosters listening to those who have been really affected by adoption, and primarily I adoptees and, and first parents. Um, we I have agree. to hear their losses. And I know that it's not comfortable. Um, it's, it's difficult for me too sometimes, but we have to listen. So um, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the surveys. It's just brilliant. Well, it's, and it's, it's hard to, and that's, I mean, it's, it's, it will but, change things. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, when, um, when, like I said, when we had done what I call fluff questions, I mean, because honestly they weren't, um, you know, they weren't anything really deep. And I had said, we need to ask, you know, um, I mean, we need to say, you know, were, I mean, were you sexually molested? You know, because I, I feel like adoptees have been in that place or maybe that they are more vulnerable. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not the case. But, you know, maybe Pam Krosky says that. I don't know. <laughs> you know I don't know. No, I, but, I, I, um, I mean, I understand the, the point of what you're saying, that we just have to right. be willing to, to ask all the things, to collect the data. Right. And then to respect right. it, to respect the data. You know, and they sure. had, you know, great and, turnouts. I think they had, their last one had around 1,500 respondents. Um, right, which is just amazing. I, I couldn't get a hundred. I mean, it was really. But you know what? Well, I think that it's good time that they can, and we should be asking those yeah. questions. And moreover, right. people should be listening to it. Right. You know, and we should yeah, be exactly. showing these to people and to counselors. And you know, that's what stru- really struck me as um, an insult when I did the conference. Um, here in Bloomington versus, you know, we'll be doing in Indianapolis um, next April and mm-hmm. really pushing extra hard is getting the social workers to attend. And we had we have two inpatient um, hospitals here. I'll be darned if they would not attend. We gave them, you know, CEUs, and we were discounting it majorly for these social workers to come, they didn't take us up on it. Well, a few of them did. Like, come on. This is the place where you need to be. You have adoptees, you know, in your inpatient care right now. I'll guarantee you, you do. And Mm -hmm. this is where they need to be listening. And, you know, we had Zara Phillips doing, you know, an addiction, you know, class. 
Um, this is where you people need to be. This is what you need right. to be listening to right now. And, right. of course, they weren't. So I'm hoping maybe with it being, um, you know, an indie conference that we may get a better response. Um, yeah. You know, I think yeah, it'll absolutely. be a little, you know, um, higher caliber. Not that Bloomington's not, but, you know, there's a little bit more um, – I think there'll be a, a more attendance rate and there'll be a little bit, bit more, um, you know, social worker rate. I think it'll be better there. But Good. you know what I mean. Yeah, so. that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. So, we, just, we stay hopeful, right? We just yeah, keep moving you have forward. to. We I mean, trudging along. Yeah. And, yeah, and I can't... feel the temperature changing, but it, it, it's, it's slow moving. And, and, you know, but I, you know, I believe it will happen. I believe it will continue to happen the more um, we just – uh, you know, dig in our heels, frankly, and just say, "Look, we're not we're not going anywhere. We're going to right. tell our stories. Um, yep. We're going to do better for this next generation of adoptees coming up. We're going to do better for them. We we need to do better for them because we know better." Yeah, I think well, and I think that's the way it is with legislation. When when we changed the law here, I mean, we we just said, I mean, I told them we are coming back every single year. We we will will return until we change the law. And, right. um, you know, Senator right. Young finally said, thank goodness you guys aren't coming back next year. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was That's like, good. That's great. Flat. <laughs> so what do you think, if you had to pick one thing that, that has surprised you in all the stuff you've done so far, what is the one thing that has surprised you, you know, that's – either changed the, the the most or that hasn't changed the most or um, I think I think for me it's it's just my it's just my community of adoptees. Um I um I didn't know how dear adoption would work, you know, when I launched it a year ago. I had you know really high hopes, but I didn't know how it would work and I will tell you, Pam, every time I get an email and I I get a lot of them. I'm so terribly behind on them. But um, I, you know, every time I get an email with a dear adoption piece, it blows my mind. And I'll get all choked up here. But the thing is this, society isn't currently a welcoming environment for adoptees to share their grief. It just isn't. Because most of society doesn't even acknowledge that there's trauma involved in adoption. And most of society just thinks we should be grateful because, uh, you know, we've been given these, you know, heavy quotations here, better lives. Um, but the reality is adoptees are so resilient and um, they, the, the, the level of writing that has been um, happening at Dear Adoption and the level of authenticity and heart that's being shared there, um, it, it blows me away. I'm, awestruck by it every day and I cannot believe this community of people and how determined they are um, and how persistent they are as you just said you have that same persistence so I am blown away um, I founded Dear Adoption Dear Adoption is not what it is because of me it is what it is today because of my community uh, because of adoptees and so that is what it surprised me the most and, you know, pleasantly so. The next surprise I'd love to see is just that more and more and more people are listening without pushing back. And I, I think right. that'll come. I think it'll happen more and more. Right. That's true. I mean, 
You know, speaking of that, and, you know, it's funny because we expect that pushback. Now, I mean, we we automatically think that's going to happen. Um, when we reserved the room for the records opening, um, you know, we have to speak to, I call them regular humans. Um, <laughs> when I called um, and I said, you know, we, we need a room and um, it's at the State Library and um, the – I had to talk to this one lady, and I said, you know, trying to, and you feel like you're on this, like you're speaking in half sentences kind of thing, and you don't really want to say quite everything you want to say because you're not sure how to say all of it. And right. I finally just said, okay, I need a room. It's the room we used for the filming, and we used it for blah, 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 and I explained it. And she was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You're probably going to need this right. room because, you know, if you're going to have media and you're going to need for adoptees to fill out those forms and you're going to need plenty of room, no pushback, nothing. Right. And right. I was like, uh, wait a minute, um, that was too easy. And right. they were encouraging. They were behind us 100%. I didn't know what to say. And I didn't have to stumble over words. I didn't have to, you know, explain myself. I just had to say, you know, because the state, you know, doesn't really want to help us with any kind of funding. You know, they don't want to give us any kind of media for it. So we have to do it all ourselves. And we're we're paying for everything. And right. it was just an easy process. And I thought, wait a minute, that was too easy. They reserved the yeah. room. And I was like, they didn't even charge us for the room. And we're like, what? I mean, I thought, okay, why was it that easy? <laughs> so we just thought, right. okay, the, for the first time in this process, no pushback. And I thought, yeah. this is what it's supposed to be like. It's yeah, just like any a, other meeting. Yeah, that's a huge victory. Just, right. Yeah. And that's a huge yeah, victory. there you go. And that, it's, you know, and that's the thing that's what we, it should we, have be like. to, we have to celebrate those, right? Because that's mm-hmm. exciting. And I think, um, you know, when I, you know, I have, you know, these victories with with dear adoption when when other I can tell other people are listening and there isn't this, you know, awful tension filled pushback. And it's like that's that's a victory. And so I love that you recognize that that was a victory for you. It's exciting. But it's funny because you know I didn't even realize it until I got off the phone and I went. Oh, right. Wait a minute. I didn't Did that just even happen? Myself. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. But I want to tell right. you I'm proud of you, too, because, um, you know, giving everybody a voice and doing your film and going forward, it takes a lot, and it's a lot of energy that people don't realize um, because putting your story out there, whether, you know, it's in a book or a film or – Mm-hmm. You know, giving other people a voice, it takes a lot of work. And people don't realize that we do this for free. I mean, this is, yeah, you know, we don't yeah, get that's true. It, you know, I mean, this podcast, you know, Indian Adoptee Network, this, this, this isn't money. This is all for adoptees. We do this for our peeps. And, right. you know, this is so our, our, you know, fellow adoptees will have a voice and a place to go. And, you know, somebody said something about, 
Well, you know, I noticed the IN has like a membership thing, and I was like, you know, you don't have to join. You can just get on to this. And one male adoptee goes, you're a horrible salesperson. <laughs> they were like, you're not having – and I said, well, you don't have to join. And he was like, again, right. you're a horrible salesperson. <laughs> but that's not the point of it. You know, we're just trying to get that's everybody a, a, have a place to go. Mm-hmm. So I agree. And I think, um, you know, it's – I think that it's just important. That's why um, – Again, I understand the tension in, in adoptee community between adoptees uh, being at different stages of fogged or unfogged or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I understand that tension. Um, I understand – I even understand the feeling that, you know, many adoptees have where they say, well, you know, the, the adoptees who are unfogged are hurting us because they're still, you know, perpetuating the myth that adoption is all good all the time. And and I understand that. Um, right. It, but I, what I'll say is I, I don't believe that makes their story any less valuable. It's where they are today in their story. And right. um, we we need to be able to listen to everyone. And I think you're right. It, it is a lot of work, but that's why we do it, is so that everyone right. can have the same rights and everyone can have the same platform and space to share where they are in their story and even to kind of, you know, be a part of the progression of that story. Um, right. You know, I think it's really, I think it's really important. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Dear Adoption is just a, you know, it, it's one of many resources out there. It's one of many platforms out there. And um, like I said, I feel, you know, sometimes a little guilty because I, I personally am learning so much. It has opened my eyes um, in an incredible way. And, and I hope that for anyone who goes there, I hope, you know, the last thing that I want is for uh, dear adoption to close minds. Right. I, and it, so it's very frustrating for me when people say, um, uh, when people go to dear adoption and they say, well, I can't read it. And I understand that too, because I can understand that, it, that it's difficult. It's very raw. And um, I understand it can be triggering for people and all of that. But there's a difference between not being able to read it because it's so emotionally overwhelming and um, not being able to read it because you're not willing to acknowledge right. they can someone find their else's way through trauma. It, right. That's, but they that's will. different. So, and so, yeah, right. but they'll find their way through so, it. But you know yeah. what? We have, we have found our way through seriously an hour. I mean, I think you and I could talk again. I mean, I love having everybody on here and being able to tell their stories. I'm excited for your film to come out. And when oh, it does, I, I'm nervous, but I'm excited too. <laughs> no, I well, and maybe after it comes out, we can come back on and you can, um, perfect. You know, talk about how you know how everything went, and um, yeah, I would love that. You know, hopefully you can bring it to IAN and hopefully those. Yes. But IAN, that'd be great. Um, so I anyway, everybody can go to DearAdoption.com and check out the stories. And I know you're on um, Instagram. And don't forget, everybody, to go to indianaadoptinetwork.org and check out everything about the conference. And we're on Instagram, too. And thanks again for being on today. I am so excited to check out what you're going to be doing in the future because I know you're going to do a lot. Um, oh, thank you, Pam. Thanks for everything you do. You are just um, a Well, and I, I don't know about that. But, um, <laughs> no, it's true. Thank you. Please. 
we're lucky to have you in our community, so thank you. Well, we're lucky to have you too, and you know what? Um, I'm really looking forward, and I hope I get to see you at the conference, and everybody stay tuned. We've got lots coming up, and as usual, you guys, blue skies and green lights. Until next time, you guys, I love you all, and we'll see you next time, guys. All right, bye. Bye.